0: Hello and welcome to another edition of On the Board. I'm Mike Fast. On today's episode, we quickly review week one of the NFL season and preview week two, which starts tonight with the Bengals and the Browns on Thursday night football. First impressions of week one, just off the top, that it's good to have the NFL back. It was exciting exciting. The presentation, from a broadcast perspective, was strong. Really didn't realize there were no fans, or if you did, it didn't impact your viewing experience, I think it's safe to say. The quality of play was actually pretty good. By and large, considering there was no preseason and teams had only been scrimmaging against themselves, Teams play pretty well. Of course, 16 teams won, 16 teams lost. Quickly, we'll run it down. And you think to yourself, as I read the winners of week one, if there's any real surprises. Ravens, Steelers, Patriots, Bills, Jaguars, I'll say right away, that was a big surprise for me. Titans, Chiefs, Chargers, Raiders, the Washington football team, a little bit of a surprise. Bears, Packers, Saints, Cardinals, Seahawks, and Rams. Definitely, Jacksonville was the surprise of the league, although Washington, Philadelphia played some pretty close football games, even though Washington hasn't always come out the victor in recent years. But overall, good football, glad to be back. Not a ton of big-time injuries, That's always good, and you're always concerned about that coming off a period of inactivity. At least in a preseason, usually, you can phase guys in. Usually, in the first preseason game, depending on what a coach is feeling or depending on the level of experience a certain veteran has, you may get a guy for a series or a quarter, and then the next game you go to a half and so forth and so on. This time around... Most teams just play their starters all the way through. And so when you look at the winners of week one, not a lot jumps out at you in terms of standouts. I mean, you can look at a team like the Cowboys, who, yes, I did predict to be in the Super Bowl. And yes, it's just one week. So I still hold that prediction. I still claim that. But you have to also account for them having a brand new head coach. Of course, not to the NFL, but to the team in Mike McCarthy. So there are adjustments that have to be made. And as we always say, you can have a flaw, quote unquote, but it can be such a small one. And that can make a difference if it comes at the wrong time. So while you may lose the game, you could be closer to winning than the score on the scoreboard or the box score or... The game story may indicate. So it's important for coaches to continue that refrain of move on to the next game. We're on to the next game. You may get tired of hearing it, but I guarantee that's a way to keep guys focused. And so that's what they're going to do. Individuals that impressed me were, of course, Patrick Mahomes on Thursday night and They did have some fans there in Kansas City, which was nice to see against Houston. Houston actually started pretty well with David Johnson running the football. And although it was the first game and they had rest Kansas City and Houston has some good defensive players, individually, that is, there wasn't a ton of expectation on the Chiefs compared to recent season openers where there's a full crowd and teams seem to be in their head and teams seem to feel like they need to have a Super Bowl-like performance the very next game after they won the Super Bowl. In other words, the Chiefs came out calm, and focused. They weren't perfect in the beginning, but that doesn't matter. They accomplished their goal. They got into form sooner rather than later, and they took care of business. And that's impressive. Even if it didn't seem like the same amount of pressure a defending Super Bowl champion has when they debut a new season in prime time, the Chiefs still had pressure. may have just looked different, or we may just not have seen it. Nevertheless, they took care of business. Another team I was impressed with was the Patriots. Getting Cam Newton in and playing through, if you want to call it that, the lack of receiving threats, they were essentially telegraphing what they would do on offense not necessarily that they would run every play or that Cam would run a certain direction, but that run would be the focus of their offensive game plan because really they had no other choice. And so it's always impressive, and you have to look at this objectively, whether you like the Patriots or you don't, whether you like Cam Newton or you don't, you have to appreciate when they know and the opposition knows what the focal point will be and they execute their game plan anyway. And, by the way, Cam Newton's very first game of consequence in this New England system. So there was a lot riding on that. And Josh McDaniels, I'm sure, doesn't have a simple playbook. He seems like a guy that has a very complex playbook and can throw a lot at Cam. I'm sure he didn't throw the full weight of his playbook at Cam, but you get my point that it's probably not the easiest system to pick up. Still, Cam performed and performed very well. And then, of course, you have to give credit to Gardner Minshew and the Jacksonville Jaguars, who I predicted to be 1-15, in and this may be their only win but they went out and they won and they did their job they played who was on their schedule and they got it done i don't know what that means for the rest of their season but considering losing Yannick and Gakwe and considering all of the press that led up to that and considering how They just seem to be devoid of any interest from the outside. It was pretty impressive to see them win on opening weekend, when a lot of people, myself included, assumed they would lose. And as you know, the NFL is a 16-game season. Excuse me, the NFL plays a 16-game season, I should say. And so every game is so important. So it doesn't matter if you think that, well, there was just week one or the other team wasn't ready or they won't win. The Jaguars won. So the Jaguars win essentially counts the same as the Ravens, the same as the Chiefs. Okay? That's important. And especially because if you want to go to a deeper level, Jaguars beat the Colts, Ravens beat the Browns, Chiefs beat the Texans, all of whom could be vying for a wild card spot at the end of the season. So, if for whatever reason Jacksonville is competing with the Ravens and Chiefs for playoff positioning, which again I highly doubt, but it just illustrates the point that Jacksonville answered the call and they did what had to be done. And you always want to win in the NFL, especially in the division. That's goal number one. Because you win the division, you get a guaranteed home game in the playoffs. So credit to Jacksonville. I wanted to also highlight Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. Lamar yesterday was named AFC Offensive Player of the Week, which was no surprise. He, of course, uh, did outstanding Against the Browns. And it was especially gratifying for him, sure, because the Browns were one of two teams to beat the Ravens in the regular season last year. And the Ravens, as a whole, but especially Lamar, at least on the offensive side, really took care of their assignments. And what I mean by that is, after watching the game intently, each play, offense, defense, special teams, I could tell that the Ravens, they blew out the Browns, you could say. I'm not disputing that, but it was a consistent bludgeoning. (laughs) They consistently executed their assignments, they consistently made the right play, they consistently found the weakness in their opposition. I will say, if there was a point of the Browns' execution that impressed me, it was their defensive line, who seemed to move well laterally and with much strength. And they gave the Ravens' O-line some fits, no doubt about it. But it's not about you losing a play, meaning it's not about if you have 100 plays, let's say. If you lose one, that's not a failure. You're not looking for a perfect record. What you're looking for is your response to that lost play. You're looking for, okay, you lose a play, you commit a penalty, you string together three, four, five, six, seven good plays. And over the course of the game, that works out to about, I don't know, 80, 85%. And if that's the case, like it was with the Ravens, where you perform well on an overwhelming percentage of the plays, you come out 38 to 6 victors, avenge one of your home losses, avenge one of your losses from last year, and you also start 1-0 in the division. I mean pretty ideal and the Ravens could have pulled starters if they wanted which was a little bit of a topic of contention around town here in Baltimore I personally think as coach Harbaugh would say these guys are professionals they need to play there was no preseason you need to get them reps and by the way there's always a threat of injury okay you know you could say you take Lamar out Robert Griffin comes in he gets hurt Lamar plays the next week he gets hurt now you're down to your third string quarterback. So there's always a risk. It wasn't that necessary to pull Lamar. I'll just say that. However, you know he played almost the whole game. Robert Griffin, the third, did come in at the end, but to recap quickly, Lamar Jackson's stat line that won him AFC offensive player of the week. Twenty of twenty-five, which goes to an eighty percent completion rate, which very quickly, anything above sixty It's good. Anything above 70 is great. And like 75%, much less 80%, is remarkable. Three touchdowns, no interception, which is the key. Quarterback rating of 152.1. In case you don't know, 153.8 is a perfect rating. So virtually a perfect quarterback rating. Lamar Jackson did his thing. I mean, we can definitely say that. And now looking forward to week two, we spoke about the Chiefs a little bit, how they kind of started well at Kansas City. They go home for their first home game of the season against Baltimore Ravens, and the Ravens are a seven-point road favorite. You really, really, really don't see that often. Kansas City is a nine-point favorite. At the Los Angeles Chargers but that's the only other road favorite that's close to the Ravens line of minus seven what would you know Ravens and Chiefs the prohibitive favorites to win the Super Bowl so you're probably if you're a Ravens or Chiefs fan going to see a lot of road favorite lines this season And looking forward to that Ravens Texans game you never want to take any team for granted, especially a team with a guy like Deshaun Watson, a quarterback. I said in last week's podcast that the Texans, while they have talent, I believe their talent is top heavy. And I believe that while Deshaun Watson is very good, you saw what the lack of surrounding talent, which is not his fault, but you, the, but you saw what that lack of surrounding talent will do throughout the course of the game last week at Kansas City. Kansas City's pass rush may have better singular names than the Ravens, but as a collective unit, the Ravens are just as good, if not better. And so I don't care where you play, home or away, when you're a quarterback, and I don't care if you're Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Brett Favre, Dan Marito, Johnny Unitas, whoever you want to name, When you have a relentless, fierce pass rush coming at you and coming at you from multiple different angles and gaps every single play or what seems like every single play, your timing isn't going to be ideal. Your footwork is going to have to be perfect. And the Texans don't have that infrastructure around Deshaun Watson, not even close. So look for the Ravens pass rush to really get after Deshaun Watson. And in the event he makes plays early, the Ravens could mitigate that effect by their running game. As we all know, the Ravens had an all time running game last year, setting all kinds of records, both in their franchise and for the NFL. And that brings me to this week's stat of the week. The stat of the week is that the Ravens currently are on a streak of 24 straight games rushing. For 100 yards or more as a team. I'm say that again. The Ravens, dating back to late 2018, are on a streak of 24 games in which they've rushed for at least 100 yards as a team. In that time, they have a record of 21-3. and three. So, Ravens rush for 100 yards. They're almost guaranteed to win. Look, Lamar Jackson could rush for 100 yards himself. J.K. Dobbins could rush for 100 yards himself. Mark Ingram couldn't rush for 100 yards of south. Gus Edwards and Hollywood Brown, depending on the offensive game plan, could combine for 100 yards. So (laughs) there are all types of ways to slice it and dice it. But at the end of the day, the Texans look to be in trouble. And even the Ravens, going back to previous parts of their franchise where they were a powerhouse running team in 2003, they had Jamal Lewis, won the Offensive Player of the Year, 2,066 yards rushing, you know, games, two games against the Browns that year in which he totaled 500 yards rushing, one of which was 296 at home, which at the time was a single game record. That streak they were on at that time, 15 games, 2008 to 2009, when they had LaRon McLean, Willis McGahee, Ray Rice. Another streak of 15 games. This streak they're on right now, 24. And not going to end anytime soon, it doesn't look like. So you think about those great rushing teams and backs and lines of the past in Ravens history. This Ravens team looks to be doubling that in just a few weeks' time. And that's not even taking into account the emergence of Hollywood Brown. Mark Andrews catching multiple touchdowns. Lamar Jackson's accuracy downfield on the run, improving week to week. You haven't talked about Devin DuVernay, who's a track star. Miles Boykin, who's an emerging red zone threat, in my opinion. James Prochet can make any kind of catch. Now, he's unproven, but you get my point. So again, one week in, yes, only one week, but it looks to seem like what we thought to be the case with the Ravens and then the Chiefs being prohibitive favorites coming true. So again, week two starts tonight, eight twenty on NFL Network. The Bengals are at the Browns, both 0-1. Cleveland's actually a six-point favorite, which... In my opinion, it's a little bit steep, but I can see it. They do want to obviously win the game because, as we say, division wins are huge. And especially for the Browns, they're already 0-1 in the division, whereas the Bengals lost last week was to the Chargers, who are not in their division. So a little bit less urgency for the Bengals, but still, both teams are going to try and get their all to win. Or I would hope so. Other big games on the slate, Atlanta at Dallas. That's going to be a big one. 1 o'clock on Fox. Both Those teams 0-1. Both of those teams with plenty of talent. And another game we want to look at also on Fox, the Rams in Philly. The Rams a half-point favorite on the road. Philly squandered a 17-point lead last week to Washington. So Philly's obviously going to be motivated and they have a lot to correct. But can you imagine what Aaron Donald and that defensive meeting room is going to see when they watch the tape of what Washington did? But can you imagine what Aaron Donald and that defensive front is going to do when they see what Washington's defensive front did to Philly's Offensive front last game. That's scary. And then another big game. In my opinion, the the biggest, the other biggest game of the week is Sunday Night Football. The Patriots going cross country in prime time to play the Seahawks. Now you would think Seahawks, Russell Wilson, Pete Carroll, established team, Hosting the Patriots. Yes, the Patriots won last week, but it was at home. Cam Newton got off to a good start, so he was allowed to get in a groove. Only four-point line in favor of the Seahawks. I would stay away from this one if I was a betting man. Now, granted, a lot of my bets don't pan out, so you might not want to listen to me on that topic. But I will say, for what it's worth... Cam Newton's not afraid. Now, in college, that can take you a lot farther than the NFL because bravado only gets you so far in professional football. But if they get out in front, if they keep Russell Wilson off the field, if they get a field goal lead or a touchdown lead, or even if it's tied, or even if they're down by three or four points, I'd say going into halftime, I would say advantage Patriots. And let's not forget, while the Seahawks had a very good Week last week, throwing the football, they're going to have a very different matchup this week against the Patriots. Last week, Russell Wilson threw for 322 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions. Okay, at Atlanta. This week, he's going to face Stefan Gilmore, reigning defensive player of the year. And if there's anyone that can match up with DK Metcalf right now, it's Gilmore. Wouldn't it be ironic if after that one game where he did well, he would have to go up against maybe the best corner in the NFL? And if that matchup is neutralized for the Seahawks, you know, Bill Belichick can drop some schemes now. I don't know if you know, but he's pretty good at that. So Patriots might be in line for an upset win. Either way you look at it, it should be another really good week in the NFL. A lot of good teams trying to avoid that 0 and 2 start. 0 and 2 teams traditionally are virtually out of the playoff race. Seems crazy, it's so early in the season, but it's so hard, statistically speaking, to go 0 and 2 to go from 0 and 2 to. But it's so hard, statistically speaking. To go from 0-2 to the playoffs. But that looks like a good week for me. What do you think so far? Who are you looking for to continue their dominance or to bounce back from a poor week one? I was thinking this week of how the MVP race is starting to shave up even though it's only week one and how the usual suspects of Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson are coming into the fold and rightfully so. But I was thinking, what if an, uh, <clears throat> but I was thinking what if a non-quarterback won it this year? What if you had to name a non-quarterback to go with? the last time a player that didn't play quarterback won the NFL MVP was Adrian Peterson over 10 years ago. This year, before the season, if I had to make that choice, it would be Christian McCaffrey. And he had a very good game. But another name I would add to that is Devonte Adams. Because if he stays healthy... And if last week was any indication, watch out. I mean, what he did last week to the Minnesota secondary was, it was beyond impressive. I mean, I mean 14 receptions, 156 yards, two touchdowns. He was targeted 17 times and caught 14 of them. And as we said with the Patriots, the team they were playing last week, the Miami Dolphins, they knew Cam was going to run the ball. The Vikings knew Devontae Adams was going to be Rogers' premier target. Nevertheless, Devontae Adams balled out. And there was one of his touchdowns where he was essentially standing, not even moving. He, he had gone as far as the end zone would let him. He was standing. His footwork was perfect. The throw by Rodgers was perfect. And it just showed how you can play what you believe to be perfect coverage. And that can still not be enough. Rodgers has done that year after year with Greg Jennings, Donald Driver, Randall Cobb, Jordy Nelson, now Devontae Adams. And when he and his receiver are on the same page, I haven't seen anyone better since Manning and Harrison. Or Manning-Wayne, depending on how you want to look at it. I mean, Brady, Welker, a lot of their passes were within five yards or in the middle part of the field. Or outbreaking routes where he wasn't quite on the sideline yet. A lot of these throws I'm talking about with Rodgers, he's on the move, and it's not a normal throw from the standpoint of the percentage of those throws is lower, meaning a lot of quarterbacks don't always go to back shoulder fades, or they try to avoid that scramble and throw. Obviously, that's not the design of the play, but just the instinct of Rodgers and Adams, when they're on the same page, it's virtually unstoppable. That concludes this week's episode of On the Board. Thank you so much for listening. We encourage you to share on any social media platforms you engage with and also to rate and comment. Next week, we'll be reviewing week two of the NFL season and look forward to week three. We'll also be looking forward to The premiere of SEC football this year, which, of course, is going to be so exciting. Honestly, there are a lot of good college football games already. And props to the leagues and the teams and the players and the coaches and the staffs who are playing, who have gone through the protocols and followed regulations and have got their guys out there on the field. It's been a breath of fresh air. And when you add SEC to the mix, it's only going to ramp up the excitement. So stay tuned for that. So again, thank you for listening. This has been On the Board.